What up, my people? Welcome to another episode of We're Going There, the place where we can have honest conversations on real issues that are relevant for today. I have so been looking forward to introducing to you my bestie for the restie, though she doesn't know it, Bible study mentor, though she doesn't know it, and closet coach, again, she doesn't know it. It is the ever-fabulous Lisa Turkhurst. And as her unofficial best friend, I need to tell you how to spell her name correctly. That's L-Y-S-A. You're welcome. I joke around and say that Lisa Turkers is the Pope of Christian writing. And the truth is that I'm only half kidding. She has written over 20 books and five of them have been New York Times bestsellers. But here's the kicker. She's coached so many other people on how to write these books and they have gone on to garnish New York Times bestselling lists too. I mean, this woman knows how to write a book as well as RuPaul does wing eyeliner. Hello. Lisa has built her ministry by giving away what God has given her. As the president of Proverbs 31 Ministries, she hosts one of the best trainings for aspiring writers, teachers, and communicators called She Speaks. Y'all, this woman knows words. And while she's a meticulous writer, genius marketer, and overall wordsmith, I think the reason why she knows words so well is because she knows the giver of words so well. And when someone knows the giver of words, they can't help but share that gift with others. Above her milky fair skin, dark hair, and piercing blue eyes is a woman whose sole aim in life is to make Jesus known. Polished and put together she is, but beyond her Southern charm is a heart sold out to equip women to live life equipped to handle whatever is thrown at them. I know this because in 2014, I sat in the back of a van with Lisa in Greece on her way to a Greek monastery in the middle of nowhere for a tourist excursion. I was there to host and assist a group of international Bible teachers who were there to speak at a conference. Uh, while some passengers were sleeping, Lisa was talking about a Bible study that she was working on, and I sat amazed that a woman who has spoken on virtually every national platform, television network, and social media outlet, she was the most excited about a Bible study that she had been poring over. Jet-lagged and coming from a conference in the States, she reached into her travel bag and pulled out her thick, worn, tattered, leather-bound Bible— the pages of her Bible were worn and highlighted, but her eyes shine brighter than the verses highlighted on the pages of her Bible. She was so excited to share an extemporaneous mini study with those of us who were near her. And I was humbled that some of her stature would have a conversation with someone like me. It was then and there I realized that the spotlight and stage didn't motivate her to write or to speak. What motivated and wired her wasn't the whipped Greek coffee frappe that I had got on my way to pick up for her and the other guests. Nope, it was her love for Jesus. I'm not sure she would self-identify as a prophet, but if we believe, by definition, that a prophet is someone who hears from the Lord and shares that with God's people, then yes, Lisa Turkist is indeed a prophet who knows words because she knows the giver of words. Today, we're going to talk about the touchy topic of forgiveness. Now, before you roll your eyes and think this isn't for you, take heed lest ye fall, my brother and sister. She has a unique way of telling her story in a way that makes you feel safe enough to tell yours. And if you feel like you don't have words, she gives you hers. There are very few people in the world who I say I want to be like, but Lisa is definitely one of them. She is generous with her time, lavish with her wisdom, and oh so dang real. You can't help but want to be her friend. My hope is that you love her as much as I do.
Lisa, welcome to the show. I am so excited that we get to do this together. Um, I've, I've told you this before, and I know I'm like hashtag awkward. I was homeschooled. Please forgive me. But I always <laughs> get geeked out when I get to talk to you. I feel like when I refer to you, I mean, your team knows this. I refer to you as like the Pope of Christian writing. I think that how you take your life circumstances, your joy, your pain, your hurt, your trial, your trauma, your tribulation, and you put it into words that all of us can feel palpably is a gift. And so welcome to We're Going There. Um, I'm so excited for people who may not know you to get to know you because if they know you, they love you. Oh, thank you, Bianca. You are precious. And I geek out when I get to talk to you too. So we're equal in that way. Okay. So for people who don't know, what I love is that you are competitive and we played this card game together that made me love you even more because you're sweet and you know the Bible, but girl, you savage. Okay. Classy, (laughs) bougie. Oh, see, now we're going to go ahead and start talking about carnal music and we can't do that right now. But I will say Lisa Turkers is a God-fearing, savage woman when she plays games and I am here for it. Um, Lisa, you, you, you handed my derriere to me on a plate when we played. What's the name of that card game? Okay. It's called Nerds. Nert with the T, right? Yeah. Nerds. Yeah. T-Z. And sometimes it's T-S. I guess it depends on whether you're getting the true brand or the off brand. You know how that goes, right? <laughs> I do. I do. I'm here for ghetto fabulous things. So the bootleg yes. edition is fine me with me. Too. Okay. But I have to say, um, you handed my derriere to me and I had to forgive you for like schooling me. And this is apropos because you have written so many books um, and not just you've written books because there's a lot of people that write books. You write best-selling books and not because you've rigged some marketing system. You write best-selling books because you are able to connect to the heart of men and women, uh, specifically women on topics that are so near and dear. So when I read It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, at least I think I texted you and I told you that I read that book twice. Matt and I had just launched the church or we were about to launch a church and it felt like everything that could go wrong was going wrong. And I just remember mm-hmm. finding myself saying, it's not supposed to be this way. And then um, I read Uninvited and in a real funky season of my life. And I just feel like our life mirrors so much of it. I look to you um, as if I can say this, like my secret, uh, my secret closet best friend and also a mentor from afar. And so the beautiful thing that we get to talk to today is conversations that I get to share. I get to share with my online podcast friends. So Lisa, you have a book that's coming out. I was privileged enough to read it before it came out. And it's on a really hard topic. I was very honest in my endorsement for the book. And I said, I have never read another book so exhaustive on the topic of forgiveness. Can you share a little bit with our listening friends, what in life caused you to write this book? What circumstances were going on that you felt the need to write about forgiveness? Well, first of all, thank you for all your kind words that you just said. You do not have to be my closet best friend. You can be my in real life best friend. We go ahead and establish that. Um, And why did I write this book on forgiveness? Um, you know how you talked earlier about how you were going through a funk? And I think a lot of us go through funks. I think we go through pretty serious dips in our feeling of, well, of well-being. And I think all of us at times collect resentments more than what we realize. And the heavy weight of bitterness and resentments and frustrations. 
and relationship disruptions. I think all of these things sit in our heart heavier than we realize. Mm. Um, The human heart has such a propensity to turn hurt into hate. And we're not hateful people, so we don't even want to admit that that kind of animosity has gotten stirred up in our heart. But when we've been deeply hurt, we know we're supposed to forgive, but most of us have never been taught truly how to do it. I'm pausing this podcast because what you don't know at this moment is that I'm having two dialogues going at once. I'm listening to Lisa, but I'm also talking to myself. See, something happened to me as a kid that I recently discovered, and I've been wrestling with how to move forward. I realized that for the months that I've known, I just kept sweeping it away and saying, well, God forgives and restores and it's fine. But when Lisa said that most of us don't know how to forgive, a light bulb went off and I realized that I've been doing it completely wrong. I'll explain more later, but for now, know that this moment of clarity isn't just for me. It's for us. When we learn how to forgive, it's not just saying I'm sorry. It's more than that. And then even if we dare to say that we have forgiven someone, um, when a week later or a month later or six months later, the animosity, the feelings of resentment, the just bitterness comes raging back in because we're reminded of the cost of that person's actions. You know, the cost might've been really great to us. And when we're reminded what they took from us, when we're reminded of the cost of their actions to us, those hard feelings come back and then we can so easily feel like a forgiveness failure. And then what I found myself included is a lot of us label ourselves as I'm just not very good at forgiveness. And we kind of accept that as if it's like an Enneagram number and we move on. But the reason I wrote this book, Bianca, is because I desperately needed it. And I was tired of carrying the weight of bitterness that I refused to call bitterness, resentment that let me dream about retaliation that I would never carry out, but Jesus makes it really clear, if you murder a man in your heart, you might as well have done it in the flesh. And it's not that I was eager to murder anybody, but I could feel the acid of bitterness starting to leak into every part of my life. So I knew I needed to spend a lot of time studying forgiveness, but I almost quit the book about 16 times because I kept thinking, I can't live this, therefore I cannot write this. So if you bring a lot of resistance to the word, when you hear forgiveness, if you cross your arms, roll your eyes, or if you think, nope, I can't do that right now, not for me, not today, um, I understand it. And I think you'll find a safe person to walk you through this journey who I probably have as much, if not more, resistance than anyone. (laughs) Okay, so the thing that I just kind of want to pause and pull up to kind of hover around 30,000 feet is this overarching message of forgiveness isn't just for one type of person. So whether people are married or single, whether someone is 21, 51, or 81, I think that this is one topic that we feel, if we're not careful, it could be a noose around our neck. It could choke us out. And um, what I love is... 
there's uh, like a low grade uh, forgiveness that we can bring in or like sometimes we feel I'm not going to speak for everyone. I'm going to speak for myself. Sometimes I feel if it's a small offense, I could easily forgive. But if someone has really harmed me, like really, really harmed me, I feel like, well, I'm I'm absolved from having to forgive them. Or um, I I think I'm just going to take a really, 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 really long time. Or God knows how they how they've harmed me. Therefore, I don't need to forgive them. So. The topic, uh, the, the title of the podcast is We're Going There. Lisa, where in your life did this message come from? Now, I know because I've read the book and I know a little bit of your story because we are not so closet best friends. But I feel like if people hear kind of like you're not just pontificating in some ivory tower about this beautiful virtue of, of forgiveness, you've actually had to live this out. Can you take us a little bit on that journey? Absolutely. Well, there's, you know, first of all, let me say that in the Bible, I am thankful that the Bible calls people's offenses toward us debts. And what we have to realize is you, you hit the nail on the head, Bianca, when you said, if somebody just says something small and you just kind of get slightly offended, you can forgive them. I call that like a $5 debt, right? (laughs) And a $5 debt, it's like, That's not so hard to forgive. If someone steals $5 from you today, it's a bummer, but it's not going to like keep you up all night tonight, right? Mm -hmm. But if somebody causes a $5,000 debt to you Mm -hmm. or a $500,000 debt Mm. or a $5 million debt, that's when the unchangeable can start to feel unforgivable. And so I I resonate with what you're saying. Like the bigger the debt, the emotional debt that someone causes against us, the bigger the offense, the more unchangeable, it can feel unforgivable. So my story is that um, I grew up uh, without my biological father. Now, I have a wonderful mother and a wonderful stepfather, but um, the hole, the gaping hole that my dad left by leaving and never really wanting a relationship with me and my sister left me with this feeling of desperation for acceptance. So when I got married, I felt like I finally had that secure person in my world that it was like, okay, if everything falls apart, at least I have my husband art. And I think I relied on that and made that my safety net for so long that it never even occurred to me that that human relationship would be almost taken from me. And so when I found out uh, right before um, my first daughter was getting married, so Art and I raised five kids, we've done two and a half decades of life together. You know, we've been married uh, now 28 years. Um, When I found out that he was being unfaithful to try to put into words the shattering that took place in my heart, it's, it's indescribable. And it was not a neat, uh, tidy reconciliation, not at all. It was a very long, brutal, hard journey that five different times I thought we were almost at the finish line and five different times I got my heart completely shattered and broken all over again. And if, you know, for those of you who knew me in that season, um, 
I, you know, I did rely on the Lord and I definitely pressed into scripture like never before, but we can't ever forget the depth of humanity. The reality of humanity is that suffering can completely shatter a person to a humongous extent. So when, when I say that I was shattered, I don't just mean like it broke my heart and I cried for a few days. I mean, my life never looked the same and I almost died twice during the, that season. And this is not being dramatic. I am, I am girl, I'm your witness. I'm over here with the praise hanky saying, I remember that season and you literally almost died twice. Yeah. So the emotional stress of it all, um, was so great. And, um, I guess probably the, the way people that, um, that are close to me, they always say, Lisa, you love so deep. So you hurt so deep. Mm. And, and that's very true. And I don't know how to walk through a season of suffering and have it not cause extreme emotional trauma. But one of the things that happened to me is my colon twisted and um, the I had to have surgery to have uh, almost all of my colon removed. And um, it had cut off the blood flow inside of me so long that my body had, my brain had already signaled my body that um, to start the process of autolysis, which is basically decomposition. And so I was as close to death as you could possibly get. I was in the intensive care unit for 15 days and I have a massive scar up my entire middle just to be a constant reminder of, Hey, I almost died, but I survived. Mm -hmm. And then right on the heels of that, it's like, I'd barely even caught my breath from healing from that. And I was diagnosed with breast cancer and wound up having a double mastectomy. And when I say it, it sounds like, Whoa, like this is too much to even comprehend. I don't mean to tick it off in like, you know, just a matter of a few bullet points, but I think it's important for people to understand that when I say I literally was licking the floor of hell and barely lived to tell about it, that's what I was going through. But we don't have to just be in the seasons of hard and horrific like I was going through. It can just be a best friend that never calls you back, that causes severe trauma and deep wounding. It can be a child that has made several mistakes and you know you raised them better and you warned them not to do it and they did it anyways. And the hurt and the anguish is so deep. It can certainly be church hurt, you know, because church people feel like our family until all of a sudden they walk away and they don't want to be family anymore. And that can cause great hurt. And I mean, it could even just be someone online on on social media Mm -hmm. that just says the right thing that taps into the right vulnerability and it causes so much pain. So yes, when I say I struggled with resistance of forgiveness, it's not that I didn't want to obey God. It's that I literally did not know how to forgive something this big and this traumatic and this that had wounded me to this extent. So talk to me. I mean, this is a lot to ingest for those that are hearing this for the very first time. You One, you did it beautifully. You really 
taught us and I want to be careful but like this almost this theology of suffering you did such a beautiful job with it in the book you talk about the blessing of bitterness and that doesn't sound like those two things go together blessing and bitterness can you give us a little sneak peek of um where this came from and why bitterness can be a blessing right okay so I'm the kind of person when I read a book that if you just come at me swinging I'm gonna be like oh no you didn't and (laughs) I'm just not, I'm going to think that's fine, but you don't understand how much I hurt. So you can take your sweet little perfect life and walk on down the street with your list of hidden indicators of bitterness in my heart, because I don't want to hear it. So I have this list in the book and it's a very long list of hidden places where bitterness had got into my life and bitterness often wants to move into those places of loss. So when we've experienced a loss, whether it is a loss through death or whether it's a loss of rejection or a loss of relationship, whatever it is, um, bitterness wakes up our feelings. And so at first, it almost feels like bitterness protects us because if we can not feel so deep, then we won't hurt so deep. But recognize that bitterness doesn't just want to be our only feeling. I mean, bitterness doesn't just want to be a feeling. It wants to be our only feeling. And bitterness wants to leak into our life like acid and then leak out of our life and touch every other person we interact with, even our good, healthy relationships to make them unhealthy. So I have this list about hidden places of bitterness in your heart. And it's things like derogatory statements or sarcastic remarks, or I mean, it's a whole long list. And the thing is, I knew to write this list because I can find myself living this list. Okay. So it's not like, I'm just like, let me write this list. Cause Bianca, she needs it. No, it was like, it was more like a confession list for me. Okay. But as I wrote it, I recognized, you know what, before people get to this list, I really feel like I need to point out a couple of blessings of bitterness. And that is Bitterness does not mean you're a hard-hearted, cold-hearted person. Bitterness actually shows that you love deep, so therefore you hurt deep. And then also, bitterness is not an indicator of a limitation in your potential for relationships. Bitterness actually moves in, most likely, into people who throw their arms wide and who trust big and who go all in, and then they get hurt so, so deeply. And so it was important for me to list out several paragraphs pointing out to people that bitterness is not an indication of this fundamental flaw in your heart. It's actually an indication of rich potential. So what if bitterness really isn't a feeling? What if bitterness is actually a seed when planted in the rich soil of forgiveness that can grow and blossom and bloom into an absolutely beautiful life? But the key is to plant it in the rich soil of forgiveness. So, okay, I have a question because I'm sure someone's listening to this and wanting to just turn off the podcast or throw a phone or say, but you don't understand. Um, I know that for you and uh, you and Art, you guys got to a place of reconciliation, but 
for someone who maybe has like deep hurt and deep wounds from someone who has hurt them, does forgiveness mean that you have to reconcile with that person? No. And I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions about forgiveness. You know, oftentimes with forgiveness, we think it's too soon until one day we wake up and we say it's too late. And that's kind of how forgiveness works. But often what's holding us back is we think I can't or won't be in relationship with that person again. So that's one of the misconceptions I unpack and sort of untangle in the book. Forgiveness is a command by God. Reconciliation is very optional and dependent on a lot of factors, a lot of safety factors and boundary factors and all of that. So no, it doesn't mean you automatically have to be reconciled with someone. Forgiveness actually even isn't for that person and it's not for the purpose of the relationship, which might surprise some people. Forgiveness is actually to keep our hearts swept clean Mm. of unforgiveness. And forgiveness is the only way to sever yourself from the suffering that someone else has caused you. Did you catch that? Forgiveness is actually the precursor to freedom. Lisa said it differently, but that's what I heard. Forgiveness is the precursor to freedom. For my entire life, I've had this fight for freedom and I don't know where it came from. This protective justice side that advocated and fought for victims of human trafficking and the sex slave industry, I didn't know where it came from. I grew up with this constant fear of being taken advantage of and never wanting to be a victim. That was rooted in something, but I never knew what that something was until this past May. Forgiveness is the only way to sever yourself from the suffering that someone else has caused you, Lisa said. So tomorrow, in a separate podcast, I'm sharing my story that has tried to keep me silent. Because this podcast isn't about information, it's about transformation. And it begins with me. We're going there. Let's continue to learn from Lisa. And it, you've suffered enough. It's time to stop suffering because of what other people have done to you. And so you don't have to wait for that other person to say they're sorry. You don't have to even wait till that other person realizes that they did you so wrong. What you can do, this is your right to do this. You can say, I've suffered enough. So I'm going to unhitch my life from the train of their decisions. And I am going to say, my forgiveness does not rise and fall on something that anyone else does or doesn't do. My forgiveness is me. I don't have to wait for that other person to decide to be better, do better, say something better. I can say, I am making the decision to forgive, to keep my heart swept clean. Mm. And Bianca, you know where I think my forgiveness fell apart, and I think this is important for people to understand, is when I was a little girl, my mom taught my sister and I that this is how forgiveness works. I would usually like do something wrong. Like I would hit my sister because I was the older bossy one. She was the younger sweet one. And so my mom would come in the room because my sister would be crying and she would say, okay, who did what? And I would say, I hit my sister and she would say, Lisa, that's wrong. So she was like the judge and she would appear and she would say, who was right? Who was wrong? She would instruct me, the wrong one, to say I was sorry. She would instruct the hurt one, my sister, to say I forgive you. Then she would say, now the two of you hug and make up or I'm really going to give you something to cry about, right? (laughs) Sounds like my family. Sounds like my mom. (laughs) Yeah. Or she would say, I'm going to jerk a knot in you or, you know, knock you into next week, whatever. You know, it was like back then when you could say stuff like that. (laughs) But um, 
I carried that little girl understanding of forgiveness into some very adult situations. And I kept waiting for the judge to appear. I kept waiting for someone to declare this person is right and this person is wrong. And the wrong person has to say they're sorry so that the right person can forgive. And you see, I never let my idea of forgiveness grow and mature. And so that's why this book, Forgiving What You Can't Forget, was so important for me to walk through for myself. And I think it'll really help people because I think at the end of the day, there's a part of us because God's fingerprints dance all inside of us. And the very cornerstone of our faith is forgiveness. I think sometimes we do get to the place where we want to. We just don't know how to. Mm. And so I explain in the book that forgiveness is both a decision and a process. We make the decision to forgive by listing out the facts of what that person has done and walk one by one by one. I forgive for this fact of how this person hurt me. And I forgive for this fact of how this person hurt me. And then I add on, and whatever my feelings will not yet allow for, the blood of Jesus will surely cover. Because sometimes my feelings don't sign up for forgiveness as quick as my soul does, right? Mm -hmm. And so then I have made the decision to forgive and nobody can take that away from me. I have been obedient to God. But then forgiveness is also a process. And that means a week from now when you're driving down the road and those hard feelings come back and you start to feel those indicators of bitterness starting to rise and your chest tighten because you remember that what that person did, it cost you something and you're triggered in your pain. That's the process of forgiveness. And now you stop and you say, and I also forgive this person for the emotional cost of what they did. I've already forgiven them for the facts of what happened. But now as the emotional cost rises and in awareness and I get triggered, I will go through the process of forgiveness and forgive them each time I remember the cost because that's the process of forgiveness. And it has changed my life understanding that. Mm. Lisa, you so eloquently and beautifully kind of take the puzzle pieces of topics that feel very confusing and you put them together in a beautiful mosaic. It's moved from a puzzle to a mosaic and you do it so beautifully. So real quick story. Uh, I was speaking at Catalyst Atlanta and you were uh, speaking at Catalyst Atlanta and it was the evening time and I had walked with uh, my teammate, a travel partner over to a local place where like, there's an eatery and there's a good Mexican place that had great Yelp reviews. So I'm like, well, that's what we're having for dinner. And I uh, walk into the restaurant and I'm just doing my thing. I'm laughing. And apparently I've been told I have a loud laugh. Well, Hope <laughs> came over, Hope, your daughter, came over to find us. Uh, this is going to sound so stupid and I hate being this emotional, but the words that you write aren't just books that are going to sit on a shelf. You live this out. You wrote a book called Uninvited and you took time to have 
your daughter and I, I, don't, I don't think you got it because then if everyone saw you they'd be like oh Lisa Lisa but you invited us to have dinner with you so here we are at this round table noshing on chips guacamole and salsa and talking like good old girlfriends do and I remember walking out of that meal saying that's how I want to live my life you have gone through so much and yet you live in the fullness that Jesus talks about in John 10, 10, that the enemy has come to steal, kill and destroy. And the enemy has tried doing that for your life. But Jesus promises life and life abundant. And you live in that abundance of life. Now, fast forward to how that book ministered to me and how your life ministered to me. Now with this book, Forgiving What You Can't Forget, I didn't know how much I needed to read it. And I felt like God had given me a gift. Every time that you write a book, it's like a gift. It's like a foreshadowing of what is to come. And I got some really, really sad news um, about something that happened to me in my childhood. And it has been such a gift because I essentially have to go through the process that you just spoke about. I have to go through the process of forgiveness for someone that I don't even know. And that's been so hard, but this book has been so cathartic. So let me just say for those that are listening right now, and maybe they feel like, well, forgiveness isn't a big thing for me. I, I haven't been hurt or, I, you know, I'm, I could easily forgive. I think that this book is a great piece, an, an, a piece to add to our arsenal. When the enemy comes out of any which way, I, I think he's looking for any which way to get into our heart. And this book prepared me for something I didn't even know that I was going to need. So I appreciate you. I appreciate your words. You invite people into spaces that are very sacred and you have real honest conversation. So I just want to say thank you for writing this book. I cannot wait to see how this book slays in the hands of people and how your words transform lives because your words have transformed my life. I love and appreciate you so very much. And I can't wait for us to see each other face to face once this whole Rona thing is over and I get to um, go learn from your literary greatness. So Lisa, thank you for being on the show. I love and appreciate you so very much. Oh, the feeling is so mutual. And here's to our future chips, guac, and salsa dripping down our white t-shirts. I, I love it. I think there's a country song with that. <laughs> and maybe we can even sing and celebrate. You're the best, Bianca. And I love you, you, Lisa. You are a dear friend forever and ever and ever. Thank you. Just because Lisa's interview is over doesn't mean that her wisdom has to end. Guess what? I am giving away to two lucky winners an advanced reader copy of Lisa's new book sent to you by yours truly. All you have to do is share this message with your friends, family, and frenemies and tag at Lisa Turkers and at Bianca Oltoff on social media to be entered to win. And if you want to bypass that whole process and pre-order her amazing new book, you can do that on Amazon and you could also stack her online at Lisa Turkerst. We're Going There is a new podcast and it would mean the world to me if you subscribe to the show and wrote a review. As a gift of appreciation, I'd love to send you a six-week video Bible study and PDF guide through the Book of Ruth as my gift to you. All you need to do is write a review, take a photo of your review, and email it to podcast at inthenameoflove.org to be sent your free goodies. You don't want to miss next week, and if you are free tomorrow, I'm dropping a bonus episode because the conversation that I had with Lisa sparked so much more inside of me than I didn't know was there. Tomorrow's bonus episode on confronting my abuser. 